0: The message this morning, uh, I'm not sure really fits in the season, okay? I'm just going to give you that warning right off the bat that it's, uh, it's not a Thanksgiving message, it's not a Christmas message, and I wasn't sure what season to preach it because it's not really something for a season. And I guess I will kind of warn you, if you came this morning kind of looking for one of those messages to kind of get you pumped up, refilled, and ready to charge out for the next week, Uh, You might have to do a little bit of that on your own this afternoon. It's not necessarily a message like that. It's more of a teaching message, maybe more of a Sunday evening message, but uh, sometimes it's nice if more people hear it. Uh, So it's a Sunday morning message. I've never preached on this subject here before. I understand Jerry has. I was asked recently to go to another church and have a message on this, so I did. So I thought I would share it this morning as a matter of teaching because our culture is changing on this particular subject. And as culture changes, often our views in our Christian settings change. And I think it's good if we know what and why we believe things and why we practice certain things the way we do. Some of you will remember this man and this story a little bit, but uh, used to be a fellow come to church here. uh, it's often called Little Joe, Joe Horsch, and as he got older, um, and Joe had some limitations, as you know, if you knew him. Uh, he was a single man who um, was very, um, how would I say this, I, I always enjoyed visiting with him, he was uh, good to visit with, and encouragement, but um, kind of kept to himself and he later, when he was no longer able to drive, or maybe I should say when he was, when they took his license, I think the, the safety part of driving had ended before they took his license, but when he could no longer drive, he moved out to Illinois where his family was at and had a couple of brothers there and some cousins or maybe some nieces and nephews and so forth. Anyway, his one brother was taking care of him. He was, lived in a nursing home there. And was able to visit him there a few times. And his brother that was close to him and taking care of him passed away rather suddenly from cancer. And then another brother, if I remember the story correctly, uh, passed away as well. And so Joe was kind of left there on his own. I got a call one day when I was still teaching school because I, I kind of remember the setting when I got the call and it was a brother-in-law of Joe's said he had passed away and I soon picked up that there was no interest in that area as far as a service or anything and uh, wanted us to know and wondered if it would be okay about interment internment here in our cemetery and I quickly picked up that this was that there was going to be a cremation and I said well now oh, I said if there's costs involved or whatever I said as a church I said well we'll be more than happy to take care of it I tried to kind of well I I think that ship had already sailed as they say and so a few days later UPS showed up at our door with Joe and uh, Joe spent some time sitting on our uh, counter there in the living room And uh, that was, I think, probably would have been one of the last things that he would have wanted had he had a choice in it. I I could be wrong. Maybe it was his choice. I kind of doubt it. And so Joe's cremains are buried out here in our cemetery. We had a memorial service here for him. And um, he's buried out here, his cremains are. In 1972... And that's basically 50 years ago. 5% of people that died in the U.S. were cremated. Uh, it's 5%, so not real high. By 1975, it had grown to 7 and by 1985, it was 15%. 1994, it was 20 and 2010, it was 40%, and in 2021, it was basically 58%. So in 50 years, it went from 5% to 58%. And in Canada in 2021, it was 75% of the people that pass away are cremated rather than buried. And that comes from the Cremation Association of North America themselves. Is it a matter of, is there a biblical answer to this thing? or not. We want to look at that this morning. But I want to share a few more things with you as we get there. I talked to Larry Thompson uh, at the funeral home there in Napanee, and I was a little surprised because he has a lot of Old Order Amish uh, funerals and Mennonite funerals, and we would say well, it's kind of a conservative area, but 30% of his funerals that he deals with today are Cremations. In Napanee. And he said it would be probably 50% if it were not for the Old Order Amish. I didn't ask uh, Yoder Culp or Rethror on it. I'm assuming, just because of the location and because they have a crematory on the grounds, I'm assuming Yoder Culp would be considerably higher than the 30%. And again, what was at one time a more conservative area. Has Christianity? always accepted cremation. And that's a question you might think about. They obviously, it's becoming more and more of a practice within uh, Christian circles. And this comes from the Neptune Society, and they they do help you with your cremation services and so forth. And this is something that they would say right here, says, while cremation remained popular throughout the battle, ravaged empires of Greece and Rome between 1000 B.C. and 395 A.D., mostly for health reasons as well as the need for expedient burial rites for slain warriors, the rise of Christianity under the Emperor Constantine saw a sharp decrease in cremation. So the rise of Christianity, there was a decrease. And other uh, sources will tell you this as well. While cremation remained common practice among Romans, early Christians considered it pagan. Traditional sepulcher entombment remained the preference of Jewish cultures, and by AD 400, earth burial replaced cremation, except in rare times of plague and war, and it remained the preferred method uh, throughout Europe for the next 1,500 years. Cremation as we know it today only began a little over a hundred years ago. The first dependable um, cremation chamber was developed in Italy in about 1873, and we could read some more there, but we'll go on down. And this I found interesting, while two recorded cremations occurred in North America prior to 1800, so only two that they know about in America up until 1800. um, First crematory wasn't built until 1876 in Washington, Pennsylvania. And I'm not sure I understand this, but cremation's popularity surged among Protestant clergy that desired reformation of burial practices as well as medical professionals' health concerns regarding cemeteries. So what are the reasons often given for cremation? We hear a lot of reasons given, and um, one of them is that it's more economical, and it can be, but there are several different ways uh, for cremation, and one of those is what they would call direct cremation. You can have direct burial, too, which is pretty inexpensive. In other words, there's no involving, there's nothing of that. You have to be buried within, I think, 24 hours of death and so forth. That's pretty inexpensive as well. Direct cremation simply means that uh, your body is cremated very soon. There's no, there, again, there's no embalming. There's no funeral service. There's not much of anything other than and you just, the body is cremated and the remains uh, may be given to the family or whoever. There's also cremation with embalming. And so that could be if, if you want to wait a little longer for the actual cremation, you're embalmed first. And especially if there's a a viewing, you have cremation with embalming and viewing, which each of these become more expensive and actually much more closer to what it costs to simply be embalmed, have a viewing, and be buried like we would. With the, uh, generally with cremation and uh, embalming and viewing, you would rent a casket from the funeral home, wherever you're going to be at, and so... Uh, you get the rent-a-casket, and uh, same one everybody else has rented, I guess, up until that time, or at least, I guess, I don't know if you can pick your styles when you rent one or not. And so, again, there's cost in that. So sometimes people say it's more economical, which, again, it can be, but not necessarily the way most people do it. Some people say fire indicates purity and God's presence, and we'll talk about that. Um, some people say, well, it doesn't take a burial plot, so that's better. And others say, well, it speeds up the natural process, and still others maybe do it to avoid the resurrection. And I would say this, often that was at one time kind of the idea. Someone wants to make sure their body's destroyed so there's no chance of a resurrection, and of course we know that's not going to be a determined anyway to the resurrection. But I don't think that's actually the reason most people today choose cremation. I don't think it's necessarily tied to that. In responding to some of these things, first of all, regarding being more economical, sometimes it actually costs more to do what is right. It's not just in uh, cremation versus burial. There's a lot of things that cost more if you're going to do things ethical and right. So that's not necessarily a good argument Anyway, uh, the idea that fire indicates uh, purity and so forth in God's presence, fire often indicated judgment and even eternal judgment. And we'll see a little bit of that in the scriptures. The fact that it takes up less space. Every person on earth today, and there's about 8 billion of them, we hit the 8 billion mark here recently, and I think you could bury every one of them in the state of Maryland. Everybody on the planet. That gives the rest of the earth a lot of space for, I guess, if there's anybody left, um, they'd have the whole rest of the place. So it's, it's not like we're running out of burial grounds. Besides that, there are some places and some islands and some cities where they do uh, bury layer because they do need space or uh, you have above ground uh, ways of burying as well so forth. So it's not a real good, real good argument. The idea that it speeds up the natural process um, is not necessarily a great argument. Murder does the same thing because everybody's going to die, but we don't generally suggest that that's a good option because it's it's wrong. It's unethical. It's not right. It's sinful. The Bible talks against it. So we don't just do things to speed up the natural process. That's not, we do things the way God would want us to do things. We have been influenced greatly, I think, in our culture by Eastern religions and especially Hinduism, even the Hindus would tell you that they are amazed at how much they believe their religion has influenced Western culture with such things as yoga and uh, natural medicine and uh, things like uh, the very subject we're talking about this morning, cremation. Uh, vegetarianism and so forth. They will actually tell you they're kind of surprised, even though not, not many people are Hindu. I don't think it's a coincidence that as we see things like cremation take a rise in our culture, it was also when a lot of Eastern religion uh, began to have a rise and an influence in our culture as well. In uh, Hinduism cremation is very important there's about 3.14 million deaths a year in India most of them are cremated and it says uh, cremation is extremely important ritual for the Hindus they believe it releases an individual's spiritual essence from its transitory physical body so it can be reborn if it is not done Uh, If it's not done uh, properly, it is thought that the soul will be disturbed and not find its way to its proper place in the afterlife and come back and haunt living relatives. Fire is the chosen method to dispose of the dead because it is association with purity and power and to scare away harmful ghosts, demons, and spirits. And then it talks about some of its gods and so forth. Um, It is interesting that They will tell you that, and this we talk about the environment, and uh, we hear all about how bad cows are and that kind of thing. It's kind of interesting that it says every year 50 to 60 million trees are burned. This is in India alone, during cremations in India, which results in about 8 million tons of carbon dioxide or greenhouse gas emissions. Air pollution, deforestation, and large quantities of ash, which are later thrown into rivers, adding to the toxicity of the waters, pose great environmental problems. Kind of interesting, you don't hear much about that, but you hear about how bad the cows are. Anyway, not everyone is cremated in India. Holy men, lepers, and people with smallpox have have traditionally been buried, with holy men traditionally buried in a vertical position, preserved in salt. And they don't, um, I don't think they, children under two, I don't think they cremate as well because of the fact that um, they haven't, they don't need purification yet. They're still okay. They haven't sinned. And so they don't have to worry about that. So has that that influenced our, what we do in this culture? And we can look a lot more at some of the cultures around the world. And one time Cindy and I were in at Yoder Cult for uh, viewing and interesting a number of people there uh, were apparently monks i'm thinking maybe tibetan and they were ready to go out and uh, and what they actually did was they followed the whole group of people followed the body out to the crematory like we would go to the out to the burial spot and had some sort of a religious ritual there while well, the body was being burned, and I think it had to be put in a certain way, touched by one of the priests a certain way, all this kind of stuff, in part of their religion. So the idea that it is a totally secular uh, practice, not affected by religion and beliefs, is simply wrong. Now, it may have become a cultural thing and secular thing in our culture, but it does have its roots in cultures and religions turn with me to Genesis chapter 1 as we think about reasons for burial Genesis chapter 1 verses, uh, ch- uh, verses 26 and 27 and I want to explain a couple of things here as we look at these says So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish your earth, subdue it. Dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And so uh, I should have read verse 26 as well. God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness. And and so we see that God did that. Now, I realize that you could say, Well, He's simply talking here, he's not talking about an actual physical body, because the Bible talks about the fact that God is a spirit. And so he doesn't have arms and legs in a physical body like we do. But there is something about the way God created man and says he was created in his image that we respect the bodies that God made for us. Our bodies are something that God created and to be respected even after we die, Now, I realize people die in different situations, in different settings, and sometimes burial has to be done differently than other times. A lot of our forefathers traveled from Europe here. Their their family died while at sea, and they needed to be buried at sea. I realize that. Not everyone can have a burial like we do here. But the idea is there still needs to be a respect for the body. If you go over to chapter 2, verse 7, it says, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Over in chapter 3, verse 19, though, it says, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return. Because of sin and because of man's uh, failure to obey God, the curse came upon humanity, and people die. That's just the way it is. And so our bodies now will return to the earth from where they were taken until the resurrection. We understand that. There is a time of separation. Turn on over to Genesis chapter 9 as we think about this idea of God respecting the body and connecting how we treat other people, how we treat people's bodies, and life and death in the body, and how he connects it back to being created in his image. So in chapter 9, verses 5 and 6, it says, And surely your blood of your lives will I require, at the hand of every beast will I require, at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made He, man. So he connects the idea of if you kill someone, you shed someone's blood, and they are killed, you are to be put to death because, why? Because they were made and created in the image of God. And again, I know that's more than just the physical shape and body. And I'm not here to say this morning that God's walking around in a physical body like we are. But the fact is, God created man in His image, gave him a body and said, you don't destroy that body. You don't kill that person. You don't harm that body. Let's turn to the New Testament. We'll come back to the Old a little bit later. If you turn to the New Testament, I want to go to Colossians chapter 2. First of all, as we think about God respecting the body, God working with our bodies, and God himself actually coming in a body. And God living his life here in a physical body, dying in a physical body, his physical body being raised again. And so in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, it talks about Jesus says, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In a body. God saw fit to actually come and dwell in a body. And over in Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, "...who being the brightness of His glory and express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high." Jesus Christ still has the body, a resurrected body. He showed his resurrected body to Thomas. Particularly, he said, look, here are the scars. Here you can see this. And it says he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And how that all is, I'm not sure, but I know that uh, Stephen saw him standing at the right hand of the Father. And so Jesus did not, when he rose again, say, okay, now I'm done with this body. Boy, I'm glad this is, and the body's gone. Jesus himself, the Son of God, respected his body. His body was buried, and we'll look at that a little bit later as well. So there was a respect for the body. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter um, 6. Verses 19 and 20, and again, if God sees fit to dwell in our bodies, and I realize, you can say, well, but it's only because our soul is in our body, only because our spirit is in our body. Uh, It says here, what? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have heard of God, or which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, and in your spirit which are gods our body and our spirit are gods and we don't destroy and burn up our bodies and i might just say this as we think about destroying and burning up our bodies the fact is i and and i'm not going to explain it all here this morning but if you don't know exactly how it works when you are cremated if you would be they when you when they're done with the fire, it's not just a pile of your remains. They have to get your body into that condition after it is cremated. Uh, you you don't just fall apart and end up as a as a bag of sand. That's not how it works. And so there's a process to that. As we think about destroying our bodies and and the whole cultural thing, this might be something to note as well as we think about religious influences on our culture. And I talked a little bit about Hinduism, and it's now outlawed in India, but for many generations in India, it was uh, the practice, uh, maybe you've heard of this, of widow burning, where when a man died, his wife was cremated with him. And some did it voluntarily, and some by compulsion, but they were... Uh, they were cremated. They would put on the, the pyre with the husband or in that setting and, and they were burned together for some of their religious reasons. And so, think about, uh, think about those cultural things and how that has affected our Western culture coming into our Christian churches. And that's why I do believe we need teaching on this so we never get to the point where we say, well, you know, um, The Bible doesn't specifically say that you can't be cremated, so it must be okay. It must be, you know. Well, someone says, what's Jesus' view on this? Because Jesus doesn't say a whole lot about it. He doesn't really speak about it. Well, someone wrote this and said, The fact that Jesus gave little direct attention to something does not mean it is without importance. Jesus gave little attention to spousal abuse and less to abortion. Yet surely this does not indicate his approval of these practices. And then it does go on and talk about Jesus talking about some of the uh, burial things and so forth. We will look at that. So the fact that the Bible does not speak directly and say thou shalt not, we can learn from the scriptures uh, and what we see in the scriptures, what we see in the Judeo-Christian practice throughout all of history, going clear back to when God called Abraham, Up and through the early church believing cremation was pagan, that should tell us something about how we should practice and how we should respect the bodies and how we should practice Christian burial. Go with me to Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew chapter 26, we'll start reading at verse 10. And when Jesus understood it, he said unto them, Why trouble ye the woman? For she hath wrought a good work upon me. For ye have the poor always with you, but me you have not always. For in that she hath poured this ointment on my body, she did it for my burial. She didn't do it for his cremation, she did it for his burial. And then over in Matthew 27, verses 51 to 53, it says, And behold, one of them, uh, I'm in the wrong chapter, I'm sorry. 51 of uh, chapter 27, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, went into the holy city, and appeared unto many. And so again, we see here a common practice among the Jewish people that after Jesus' uh, crucifixion and the earthquake and all this, that some of the graves were open and people resurrected and came out of the graves. And, and so they went. It doesn't say anything about after his resurrection, they came out of the little urns or they came out of uh, the little boxes where they had been, their cremains had been placed, but they came out of the graves and went in. And incidentally, it's not that uncommon in our, in, uh, our culture where someone is cremated that they take some of the cremains and, and you can buy these at the funeral homes or you can order them online. As a matter of fact, uh, the one funeral I was helping plan uh, was a funeral that I had here, I don't know, a few months back or maybe six months. I'm not sure how long ago it was. It, I think I told you about it. had a funeral service for a man I had never met. I hope to meet. I believe he became a Christian uh, a few days before he died. But there with his family and, and they did, where they had a viewing, and then the body was cremated following that. And as we were sitting around there, I don't know, the funeral director left for a little bit, and they got to chatting with some of the family, and they said, uh, yeah, did you want me to get some of those little know, little charms or whatever you hang around your neck like I got for so-and-so? You can get them on Amazon. They're only blah, blah, blah. And they're talking. Well, I figured out what it was, is you get this little thing you can hang around your neck, and you put some, uh, you know, grandpa, grandma, mom, dad, Uncle Louie, whoever, in there. And then you can take them with you wherever you go. Wouldn't you like to do that? I don't really have a desire to do that. So interesting, what can happen? Well, these saints didn't end up in something like that. They were buried. They were in a tomb, and they came out and went into the city, and that's what they did. Turneth me to Luke chapter twenty-four. Verse 1, and again, we see a respect here for the bodies of those who had died. And again, this had happen, they were planning to do this prior to uh, know, knowing that Jesus had resurrected. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. They were coming, to actually do some, uh, what we might call some embalming, what they could to the body out of respect for the deceased. It was not that they didn't care about the bodies. In 1 Corinthians 15, you can see a whole study on the resurrection and the bodies and what kind of bodies are buried and other resurrected and so forth. But you can see that there as well. Turn to uh, 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so also uh, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's go back to Acts. And while you're turning back to Acts chapter 5, as we see what the practice of the early Christians was, The early Christians did not view the body as being an evil thing. Yes, fallen. Yes, we can sin in our bodies, but not the body as sinful in and of itself. However, the Gnostics of that time did. And some of that influence was trying to come into the church. And some of our, actually some of our epistles deal with some of that Gnostic belief. But the Gnostics believed that the body, anything physical was evil and the bodies were evil and so those were needed to be destroyed and the spirit is what was what was good and so forth. Well, we don't draw that kind of a dichotomy between the physical and the spiritual in that sense. Uh, neither did the early church. So, in Acts chapter 5 as we see the practice here, verse 6 it says, and young men arose, wound him uh up and carried him out and buried him. And you go down in verse ten, then she fell down straightway at his feet, and yielded up the ghost, and the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth and buried her by her husband. And if you go to chapter eight uh, speaking here of Stephen, first two verses, Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the region of Judea, Samaria, except by the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him or great weeping. They had a great deal of loss, they felt. But again, all of these instances show that the early church buried their people. Now, let's go back to the Old Testament. And we can see where this had started clear back with Abraham. And quite likely before that, but we know it started with, we know what Abraham did. In Genesis chapter 25, in verse 10, it says, The field which Abraham purchased of the sons of Heth, there was Abraham buried. And Sarah, his wife, go over to chapter forty-nine. We can see this practice continuing in the family. Chapter forty-nine, verses twenty-eight to thirty-three. And these um, and these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is that their father spake unto them and blessed them, every one according to his blessings he blessed them. And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephraim the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephraim the Hittite for a possession for a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah, his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife. And there I buried Leah. The purchase of the field of the cave that is therein was from the children of Heth. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into his bed, yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. And you can also see that in Hebrews, if you look about Joseph, the same thing happened. Now, the opposite of that is if you go to Joshua, chapter 7, verse 15. So notice, those believers were to be buried. And it was done so historically from the time of Abraham on they buried all the way. We can see this progressing all the way up into the early church in the book of Acts. That's how it was done. Joshua chapter 7, verse 15, though it says, And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire. He and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. It was judgment. Everything was to be burnt, and that's what they did. They Stoned them and burned them, and that's what was to be done. It was a thing of judgment and uh, a thing of utter contempt. In other words, these, these people are not worthy to be buried. They are going to be burnt. They're not going to be buried. There's going to be no burying place for them. In 2 Kings chapter 23, and this is with Josiah's reforms, and I'm not going to take time to go into the whole setting here. You can do that if you'd like, but again we see something very similar. In second Kings chapter twenty three, verse twenty says, And he slew all the priests of the high places that were upon that were there upon the altars, and burned men's bones upon them, and returned to Jerusalem. Again, it was a thing of judgment. Part of this had to do with <clears throat> the fact that pagan worship included this as well, that, that the Jews, the Christians did not practice this. It was a pagan religious practice. However, there were times of judgment like this, even within Judaism, but it was not done to people who were uh, respected. Who were saints, and even those who were not were often buried. It was really a thing of judgment when they were burned. And so you see that in pagan religions and Eastern religions. And so this morning, as we think about it, uh, why, will we be affected by what our culture is doing? Well, often the church is. And people begin to get Accustomed to what the culture is doing. Well, if everybody's doing it, it must not be too bad. It must be not so, well, whatever, whatever. And I would say that that's not the way it should be. Rather, wouldn't it be better if instead of this, uh, this thing of 5% back 50 years ago to going up here to, I don't know where the percentage is going to end, Canada at 75%, cremations, In the early church, it shifted and cremations became a thing almost of the past, except for necessity, because of Christian influence. Now, I realize part of that had to do with Constantinian ideas and and making the church or making the state Christian and so forth. But it did at least pick up those practices. It didn't go the other way. So could we, as a Christian people, rather influence the culture rather than allow the culture to influence us? I think we can. And so what I would like to just end with is this. Let the body of Christ treat our physical bodies with respect in life and death. Not just in death, not just in life, but let the body of Christ treat our physical bodies with respect in life and in death. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for giving us direction in your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can do things the way that you would want us to, that we can honor and glorify you in our bodies and in our spirits, in our souls. Help us, Lord, to have a respect for our bodies, not only uh, when we die, but also while we're living, but also to respect our bodies And those of our uh, the loved ones, as they pass away, help us to respect them and their bodies the way you respect them. Lord, I just pray now that you would help us to be an influence on the culture and not the other way around. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.